Welcome to Stock Gamblers. I'm George Howell. And I'm Chris Carbonar, live from Wallingford. And I'm from Hershey, Pennsylvania. Chocolate um, Land. <laughs> Chocolate Town, USA. So, uh, speaking of local situations, I heard that you were at a Talk Like a Pirate Day, or what, oh, what was I your... was at the Marcus Hook Pirate Festival, okay? Now, people think Pennsylvania, what does Pennsylvania have to do with pirates, right? Well, here's a little did you know fact. Apparently, and if you know Marcus Hook, you think this is pretty normal, but um, <laughs> Blackbeard the Pirate had a girlfriend in Marcus Hook, Pennsylvania. The Delaware River comes up through the ocean, through the Delaware Bay, all the way up to, you know, Delaware County and Philly. So apparently he had a little little side piece there. She had a little house. We got to visit the house. And uh, apparently he buried treasure somewhere around there, and that's what the big festival is about. But it's a lot of fun. It's a lot of alcohol, a lot of um, they had good music, actually pirate music, jaunty sea things, you know. It was fun. It was a good time. And then Franklin Institute the next day. Woo! I had a busy weekend. How about you? Uh, I went down to the shore and um, went to one of my favorite breweries, Ludlam Island Brewing Company, or brewery. Um, I have? was going to say I had a bunch of beers, but they have a, um, right now they have uh, Dev went down to Maui, which is like a habanero pineapple beer. Oh. Super, super hot. Really good beer, though. Um, I was going to say... Um, Knowing women from Marcus Hook, I bet Blackbeard didn't even want to be with that side piece anymore. She just forced him into it. Well, I think she was probably the pirate. Yeah, you know, like uh... <laughs> right. She was the one calling all the shots. Yeah, and, exactly. Right. Yeah, told told him who to go out and plunder. <laughs> but see, the thing is, um, Marcus Hook is one of the strangest places I've ever been to because it's a little port town. It's very small. You have these massive refineries all around it, you know, and of course, on like any good Delaware County town, every corner has a church and a bar. It's a church and a bar, right. church and a bar, church and a bar. You know, it's just like it's amazing. Well, you you can't walk far, you know. You cleanse yourself of the sins, and then you have to right. go load back up again. So but otherwise, there wouldn't be any purpose going to the church. No, no. We used to actually uh, hire people from Marcus Hook back in the day, back at Harris, I believe. Yeah, who was that? Uh, never mind. Oh, Don't, let's not, no let's names, not no names. But yeah. there was, uh, I think there were more tattoos than teeth in that uh, scenario. <laughs> Very common scenario for uh, the Delco area. <laughs> exactly. Yes. All right. So let's get into it. To um, to recap, um, we we had talked about ARM IPOing, mm -hmm. and. Uh, Arm stock saw a decline falling below its IPO opening price, surprise, uh, with analysts expressing skepticism over its valuation. However, SoftBank, the majority owner of Arm, announced that it would gain $5.12 billion from the 10% stake it sold in Arm's offering, highlighting an intent to remain Arm's long-term owner. Furthermore, SoftBank is spearheading $280 million investment and the U.S. location match mapping company Mapbox, emphasizing its focus on artificial intelligence technology. Mapbox. At first, I thought like Foursquare and all of those uh, location-based companies were mm -hmm. were out. So right. that that's interesting to me that Mapbox is uh, coming into play. Um, wouldn't be the first investment arm blue though if that was uh, no. if that did not. Uh, or, I mean, SoftBank, 
blue if that did not churn very well. But Arm only sold 10% of its of its stake to to IPO. Isn't that like that's nothing? Isn't that kind of crazy? That like I I don't know a lot about stocks. I mean, I'm just on a show called Stock Gamblers, not uh, not you know uh, competent stock investing. <laughs> I don't know nothing so, about no stocks. I'm just a dumb boy. Yeah. Right. <laughs> but how how does that even work? Like we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna IPO with only a portion of the company that we own. But was that their choice or that's all that was was bought? I mean I would assume that's their choice. Okay. I just didn't I didn't know. I Yeah, whatever. <laughs> anyway. Uh, another another IPO that falls below what it <laughs> what it opens at. Wow. I can't believe. Well, I mean, I can believe that. It's 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 amazing. So, what did it? What was the uh, IPO price again? Do we remember? Uh, I think it was forty or so. Yeah, no, it was like it, it had to have been fifty something. Let me uh, let me double check real quick. It what's IPO'd it at fifty six ten. And what's it now? Uh. <laughs> Well, let me. Uh, well, we don't have to do. We don't have to look right now. No, it's okay. Just I'll, trying to I'll give you some my, busy work. I'll use my mysticism machine. Okay. And I'm right now it's at fifty-five seventeen. Fifty-five seventeen. At the time of this recording, arm stock was fifty-five seventeen. <laughs> yeah. So uh, anyway, uh, moving along it's to another story. IPO. Carbo, you want to sure. Instacart, or? sure. Instacart debuted its IPO at thirty dollars and experienced a volatile first day, peaking at forty-two ninety-five, <gasps> but closing at thirty-three seventy, resulting in a twelve-point-three percent increase and an eleven-point-two billion market valuation, having raised six hundred and sixty million through the sales of two hundred and twenty million shares, with approximately four hundred twenty million going to the company. Instacart has now become one of the most closely observed IPOs this year. Although the company generated $2.55 billion in revenue in 2022, and it turned a net profit largely due to a $358 million tax benefit, it competes in a market with giants like DoorDash, Uber Eats, and Shipt, and had previously been valued at up to $39 billion as a private entity. Does Uber Eats do grocery shopping for you? I think they do now. They do now. I know definitely DoorDash does now, and I'm pretty sure Uber Eats. I think they almost all do now. DoorDash has for a while. It's really weird with Instacart, really interesting with the Instacart, that they do not do the food delivery. No. They started out doing the grocery delivery, and they stayed just doing that. And in my opinion, from all of the services I have used, Instacart is the best one at that. Mm-hmm. Um, like, they're... Um, their pickers are really good at picking out what you're getting, and they're really good at offering uh, timely suggestions for replacements if what you want isn't in stock. Okay. Um, I I think that Instacart goes to show that the majority of time things IPO, it's better to just wait until the run-up goes, goes away and then throw your money in. Because um, in my memory, the only, the only ones I can really think of off the top of my head that shot up and just never came back down. Well, no shot up and didn't come back down short term is Facebook and, um, beyond meat, but beyond meat came way back down. So it would have been good to wait anyway. 
Um, yeah, interesting. I don't know if Instacart is really worth uh, getting vested in, but they, I guess there's potential to, to grow. They could get off into the uh, food pickup and... What's the um, what's the um, what's the word I'm looking for um, liability for alcohol delivery like um, what's that one called um, whatever it's called, is that a whole other ball of wax as far as insurance and stuff like why aren't there more de- alcohol delivery companies? I have no idea, and and that's a really good question because I remember back when Pennsylvania changed their laws. So that they mm-hmm. could allow alcohol delivery then. Part of the stipulation for that is that you cannot, um, you can't serve someone alcohol at their front door if they appear to be intoxicated. Which to <laughs> me, <laughs> to me kind of like really um, negates uh, the entire purpose of getting alcohol delivered. Exactly. Because if I'm sober, I'm not going to call the beer distributor to come deliver alcohol to me. You know, like I'm just gonna drive down and save myself at least the tip. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's I, I me. yeah, I mean, that's like a last ditch effort. It's like, okay, I can't move, <laughs> and I really yeah, need that, something to drink. I'm calling this company. To yeah, that, that, yeah. To me, that takes away the entire incentivation or uh, reason why you're incentivizing people to get alcohol delivered because otherwise, right. there's no real gain other than like who's too busy to run down to the grocery store and pick up a six pack of beer. Right. So there must be some kind of a liability there. Um, I'm I'm thinking with the delivery end of things. Otherwise, they would probably gladly drop alcohol off to your drunk ass. (laughs) Heck yes. I'd prefer they do that, actually. I ain't going out anymore. Why do I want to go out? (laughs) Right. All right. Bad news with more strike news. The United Auto Worker, uh, the United Auto Workers Union negotiations with Detroit's major automakers, Ford, General Motors, and Stellantis are intensifying. With the union considering expanding its ongoing strike if there is no substantial progress in talks by the end of the week. This strike is distinctive as it's the first time the UAW has targeted all three car makers simultaneously, utilizing a partial walkout strategy to maintain their strike fund while exerting pressure on the companies. Amidst the backdrop, UAW President Sean Fain refuted a 21% pay rise over from Stellantis, pointing to the 40% salary increases received by automaker CEOs in recent years as rationale for workers deserving comparable hikes. I think that's a pretty good argument. I mean, the CEO making that much more money when when they make substantially more money than a, a factory worker. I mean, how can you how can you justify, you know, some guy sitting behind a desk with a 40% increase uh, that isn't on the floor, doesn't even need to show up on time. Right. Now, I think they were asking for 36% pay raises, and they would only meet them at 21%, I guess. Is that what they're countering? All I know is that yeah. the, uh, the CEO for GM, I was reading, made $32 million last year, and uh, the, the amount of um, – the uh, wage increases, as you were saying, for the CEOs versus the wage increases for your average employee is like 300 times more or something ridiculous like that. 
there was a recent article out where they were asking her to try to um, rationalize this, and she did some beautiful, fine, double-talk thing to kind of steer the subject away from how much money she actually makes. Trying to find the article right now, actually. (laughs) I was reading an article by Ed Zitron, a fine fellow uh, Penn State alumni. Uh, Yeah. uh, He he made a point uh, from a... uh, it, It was a a joke a comic did, but the the article that he wrote was based on how CEOs are the one job in the country that is perfect for AI to disrupt, because all all CEO decisions should be grounded and predictable. So that I mean, really, that that's a job that may no longer be needed. That would be awesome. So it. Take- it Take that $32 million and spread it around the company, right? Right. Like, it's ridiculous that – and being a CEO is hard enough. I wouldn't want to report to a board. I wouldn't want to report to a shareholder. And and it does take quite a bit of experience and and a – I I assume if you're good at it, uh, a long track record to get to that position. And the money needs to be – Good enough compensation to attract the type of person that you want to hire with with those qualities and that experience. But it is absolutely ridiculous, some of the coin that these guys bring down for how little work Mm -hmm. they actually do. I like it when there's um, a downsizing or when there's something going on and they talk about all the cuts and then they say, and then the CEO got a five... uh, an extra five point six million dollar severance package added on to their additional, you know, whatever. Right, <laughs> right. In case you, in case you did can them, that right. they, um, they're going to walk away even richer for running the company into the ground. And, and my favorite is during these hard times, I, as the CEO, <laughs> have elected to forego my salary while increasing my stock options. <laughs> exactly right. I'm sure you're suffering, pal. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure you're suffering at your tax-free gain that you're only gonna you're only gonna pay the 15% increase on when you go to sell your shares. Right. My second Bugatti is not gonna be as nice as my first one, though. <laughs> right. All right. So what do you we're have get for into, us? Well, for the housing market, Lenar Corporation, it's a leading home builder. They exceeded their expectations in what was predicted to be a difficult year for the housing market. The company reported a 37% year-over-year increase in net new orders in the second quarter, effectively capitalizing on a demand for smaller, more affordable homes. This outperformance comes in a climate of rising home prices and high mortgage rates, challenging conditions that were expected to hamper the home building industry. Unlike existing home sellers, home builders like Lenar have an advantage of controlling their supply and offering competitive mortgage rates through their partnerships with mortgage companies. The strong demand is also reflected in the gap between mortgage applications for new and existing homes, with applications for new homes increasing by 20% year over year, despite a significant downturn in overall mortgage applications. The market share of new homes has doubled compared to historical averages, signaling a shift in consumer preferences towards new construction. Lenar's approach of focusing on smaller homes to meet affordability affordability needs and its effective capital allocation strategies like share buybacks and debt payment position it well for future success. The analysis indicates that the home builders are well-placed to meet the demand in the current housing landscape, making Lenar a notable performer in this sector. 
Mm, stock buybacks. Love them. <laughs> so new homes are the thing. Old homes are, are blasé, I guess. You know, in, in Hershey, the big thing here is that houses are in such high demand with like most of the decent jobs being at the hospital in town that mm -hmm. doctors or lawyers or whoever come in, since it's a pretty affluent area, they will buy a property at over market value. And then as soon as it closes, they level everything and build a brand new home right on top of it, yeah. which is crazy to me because, you know, now you're, now you're paying fair market value plus for, for a house and spending that much money again to build a house from property line to property line for your new McMansion to be on. Mm -hmm. Like, I, I can't believe that people want new construction that badly. Uh, new construction to me is usually crappy. I mean, I know I, not all companies, of course, but I, I think of older, like, you know, nice stone, brownstones and stuff like that. I think of them as homes that will stand forever. Then I see some well, of the McMansions and they're like, eh. I mean, like, before you used to buy a brick house, and it was a house made out of brick, not some veneer that they cladded the outside with. Uh, a two-by-four was, you know, four foot long by two inches wide. Now you go to buy a two-by-four, and it's what? An inch and seven three-quarter, or an really? inch and three-quarters, or whatever. You know, it's not two inches long anymore. Like, everyone has been skimping in materials for for the longest amount of time. I, I moved into this area and bought my house and I bought like a, you know, 1950s, 1960s, you know, an old house. And, mm -hmm. you know, this thing's like solid. This thing will survive an atom yeah. bomb, you know, exactly. like sure. I, I don't understand what the draw for all these new homes are, especially when you go on to read that the new trend now is to build a house that will be like two bedrooms and one bathroom. And the one bathroom won't even have a tub. It will just have a shower to save space and, and save one? cost. Just yeah. one. Right. Wow. Yeah, two bedrooms, one bathroom that has a shower, not a not a right. tub. So like people people are valuing all of the new construction to the point where they're settling for less to downsize. I, I don't understand this trend. I, I don't understand either. I was going to ask you, in, in Hershey, do you find now, maybe the last 10 years or so, are you getting a lot of New Yorkers moving into the area? We've been getting that for a while. My One of my neighbors is a New Yorker. Mm -hmm. um, I, I know that Philly went that way a while ago, too. And then right. after you got all full up, then we started taking them. <laughs> uh, <laughs> They moved down to the Jersey Shore, and now they're down in South Jersey. You know, it used to be North Jersey. Yeah, they they took down. over the Poconos even more than yeah. they had before. Yeah, exactly. Right. right. Yeah, like yeah, it, yeah. Uh, uh, people in the Baltimore area are moving in to this area too. Oh, really? So Baltimore. Yeah. Well, I mean, York is only forty-five minutes away, so it's a lot cheaper to live here than it is in Maryland. That's I wouldn't expect that. I know Pennsylvania is relatively cheap, but I didn't think Maryland was bad, other than maybe closer to D.C. But yeah, uh, and I mean, like anything, anything that's within like probably about an hour driving range to a major metropolitan area, mm -hmm. all the farmland is disappearing, and 
it's all becoming either developments or or um, distribution warehouses. <laughs> like Jersey. Right. South yep. Jersey is nothing but Amazon warehouses and Target warehouses. That's all I yep. see. <laughs> Pretty much. Yeah, all the, all the farms are going away and everything supporting a big box store delivery yep. is coming in. Mm-hmm. But we're not going to have food. But, you know, we, we got stuff. Right. I mean, you know, we'll get the food from somewhere else. We'll put a farm in the warehouse. <laughs> I like that idea. <laughs> All right. Now, time for my favorite segment. We are moving on to Roll Them Dice. Roll Them Dice. Uh, the segment where I name a random company and we say whether or not we would buy or not buy. Carbo, Apache Corporation, APA. What do they do? I don't know. Buy or not buy. I like the name. Buy. Apache. Jump on it. Jump on it. (laughs) Yeah. Build that. Build that Warcraft that's going to come and shoot people down from out of the sky. All right. Apache Corporation. I am going to go with you and I am going to say buy. And what do they do? Who? They're a holding company for Apache Corporation. (laughs) Go figure. (laughs) <laughs> okay. Apache Corp. Their website. Apache Corporation is now a subsidiary of APA Corporation. Oh, okay. That clear. That clears it up. Yeah, makes total sense. I guess Apache was uh, was too negative. <laughs> so their portfolio. They have numerous U.S. basins throughout our history. It looks like they're drilling into oil. Uh. High impact for potential. They're, they're giving a whole bunch of marketing crap here. All of their pictures look like they, they drill oil. Mm-hmm. But they do have a sustainability section on their website. So um, <laughs> I would imagine they would have to be prof- profitable. They deal with oil, and oil is moving up to $100 a barrel now. Exactly. Hasbro Inc., buy or not buy? Buy. I agree, buy. What does Hasbro Inc. do? <laughs> Aside make, aside make really bad movies. Hasbro? Isn't that the toy company? Right, yeah. They made Transformers. Right. They made that terrible piece of crap battleship when they were when they were turning everything they had into a uh a into movie? A, a movie. Did you Wait, see that, Battleship? I refuse to. I, I heard how bad it was and I wouldn't even look at it. It was smart. They they turned Battleship, a game about shooting down your other your other person's naval fleet. Into an alien invasion. <laughs> so, um, I didn't see that coming. Yeah, I like Hasbro. They have uh, they have all the plastic toys like GI Joe and Transformers. Um, they have uh, um, Wizards of the Coast, which um, does Magic: The Gathering and um, um, Dungeons and Dragons. So I, I think I think there's still a good uh, bit of life left in that company. For some reason, I thought they um, I thought they made silly putty, but it wasn't them. I think Crayola makes silly putty. For some reason, I had Hasbro you might be, in my head. You, you might be right. Hasbro mm-hmm. should make silly putty. That would be a good one. I don't know. I don't know if they make Slinky or not, but if they don't, they should definitely buy a Slinky. Oh yeah, a Slinky, a Slinky for fun. It's a wonderful <laughs> toy. Molson, All come right. on, hit me up with some Molson. Molson coolers, buy or not buy? I buy. All right, I um, I would not buy. I think that they're going to go the way of 
Budweiser, just as far as uh, bland brands that nobody cares about. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right, Kimberly Clark. I mean, I know it as a it's a good organization. There's a huge one right around here, so I would say buy. I would say not buy. I have no idea what they are. Oh, they make a lot of like, um, almost like a 3M. They're kind of like that. Mostly paper-based consumer yeah. products. Well, yeah. you, we're not your grandfather's tree company. Uh, we don't need paper anymore. <laughs> yeah, we're going. We're becoming a paperless society. We're we just want to burn oil for electricity to run computers. Exactly. What's this? Dexcom say? Inc. I don't know what it is, so I'm going to say no. I don't know what it is, so I'm going to roll them dice and say buy. Dexcom Inc. is a company that develops, manufactures, produces, and distributes continuous glucose monitoring monitoring systems for diabetes management. Big oh, fan. Okay. All right. That could be promising. All right. That's my pick of the week. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, just a reminder to all of you listening, if you could do us a big favor, you would be doing us a big favor, and you'd be really helping us out. If you told a friend about the show, if you're interested in supporting the show, you can uh, become a patron, a patron at patreon.com slash stockgamblers. But uh, let's, uh, let's help us out and uh, recommend the show to a friend and leave a review on your favorite podcast catcher. Mr. Christopher Carbonara. Are we talking about our buddies at Please do us. Please do us a favor. Do yes. me a really big solid and uh, yes. tell me about Motley Fool, Motley Cruel picks. Well, they didn't do picks in a traditional sense this week. Uh, they used to do their picks every Thursday. Um, now it's like maybe once or twice a month. But they did have an article, I guess, to sort of uh, placate us until the picks come out. It's basically um, what they suggest are the best stocks, the best five stocks under $50. So this is basically detailing an analysis of five stocks with a share price below $50 and emphasizes the importance of understanding the true value of a stock beyond its share price. First one they recommend is Redfin, offers a low brokerage commission, uses technology to streamline housing transactions, and of course, it aims to disrupt the real estate industry. That is one of the most reused words, I think. Disruptor. Has it disrupted the real estate industry since they've been recommending it since 2012? No. Has, it, has it been 10 solid years of disruption? Yes. Yes. They're, they're on the cusp of, of disruption. And, of course, we have Pinterest, a unique image sharing platform with ads that enhance the user experience over this. This surprised me. Over 400 million monthly active users evolving to link to e-commerce. I still cannot figure out what's the point of Pinterest, but, you know. So, they have about the same or less monthly active users that they had when they recommended Pinterest to me last time that I've lost at least 50 to 75% of the value on. So um, <laughs> I, I'm surprised that they are still plugging this crap. I think they're just trying to say, hey, here's some stocks under $50, you know. If you <laughs> we're, buy a we're losing users. Yeah. It can only go up from here. Right, exactly. They also have Boston Omaha, which is used as a conglomerate, conglomerate building approach similar to Berkshire Hathaway, aims to offer excellent long-term risk-adjusted returns. Veronis I was systems. hoping that I'm sorry, again. 
I was hoping there was going to be a merger between Boston Market and Omaha Steaks. Ooh, I could get behind that. I would buy that <laughs> stock. Verona <laughs> Systems is a security software provider focusing on protection against insider threats. Small but holds a robust clients like, um, oh, I don't know what that company is. Adidas Medicine, whatever that is. Adidas, not Adidas. And then pioneers in gene editing technology with exclusive rights to CRISPR. CRISPR is actually a gene editing uh, engineering technique in molecular biology in which the genomes of living organisms, blah, 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 blah. I don't really care. But it's a special thing that they have in particular. So CRISPR is a big deal. CRISPR is this thing where you can hack your body by inserting uh, new DNA. Oh, and, okay. And People have actually been doing this for years, and I, I find it funny that people were doing this with no government oversight or regulation at all, but then the COVID vaccine comes out and people lose their minds over it. I'm not putting anything in my body. I don't know what it is. I'm not, <laughs> I'm not commenting either way on, on COVID, vaccination, vaccine, COVID vaccines at all. I, I'm just saying, saying, I'm just right. saying that I think it is funny that CRISPR goes without any kind of regulation or oversight mm-hmm. at all, and then COVID comes out and people lose their minds. Yeah, no, I I, I totally get that. I get what you're saying. So many other um, highlights from this article. Uh, they wanted to mention that a stock's price here's here's an important thing, George. A stock's price doesn't indicate its value or potential. Did you know that? What? Stock value is determined by market capitalization and numbers of shares outstanding. And stock splits, like Netflix 7 for 1, or I think my um, my Shopify was like 35 to 1, can change your perception, but not really the value. It's like 6 of 1, half a dozen of another. Lower price I, I stocks. Wish I, I wish I would have really known some of these nuggets uh, before we started this show and, and got involved <laughs> in investing. <laughs> hey, you know what? It's never too late to learn. <laughs> And lower price stocks aren't necessarily smaller companies or better investments, you know. And stock price movements are about percentages, not absolute dollars. Oh, I'm, I'm learning wow. a lot. Yeah, Investing is about percentage returns, not the number of shares owed, owned <laughs> or owed. Advances in technology make investing more accessible. I think that's a no-brainer. Commission-free trades mean regular small investments are more feasible. Gee, because you don't have to pay a fee? Yes, that's exactly why. Okay. <laughs> and you don't need to spend large amounts to own a part of a great business. That's just kind of no-brainer right there. I mean, you could own 50 cents of Netflix, and you still own part of Netflix in theory. So potential investors should focus on the intrinsic value and the growth potential of a company rather than being swayed by the stock price alone. Investing in well-researched, solid businesses, regardless of their stock price, is key to long-term financial success, and I never follow that. So they're running the same racket we are. Exactly, <laughs> but know. they're making a lot more money. They're they're playing the same game where they are gambling money on on investments, mm-hmm. and they don't mention how like. EFTs, money market funds, uh, you know, mm-hmm. uh, anything like bonds or, or any other like investment strategy that 
might not be really that much of a risk and, and more of an investment opportunity. They don't mention any of that because that would no. cut into their core business. Right. But but they give you all of this stock information on how to pick a, a good investment. <laughs> but without actually picking a good investment. That's the, I got, that's the beauty. I got a great way for you to invest your money without actually, without actually being a great way for you to invest your money. Yeah. You should follow... Follow my advice. <laughs> <laughs> I think yeah, I think you pretty much nailed it there. Yeah. All right. Uh, any other comments you have on any of that? No, I'm excited to get to our uh, our barons and our motley cruel more. All right, barons. Um, barons pick is Mercury Systems. Defense contractor Mercury Systems, based in Andover, Massachusetts, specializes in electronics for the aerospace and defense sectors. However, as the company shifted from selling simple components to providing entire subsystems, it faced challenges with integration resulting in a significant drop in stock price and profits. With new management, including CEO Bill Bahaus, the company aims for a turnaround by improving operational efficiency and focusing on maturing and integrating its acquisitions. Um, great, great uh, advice. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, so you're telling me that this company that was more than likely because it's based in Andover, the same head, the same city as Raytheon. That uh, instead of just selling parts to Raytheon, now they're making the entire subsystem themselves, and they're they're looking to figure out who they're going to buy with uh, without spending money as frivolously as they were before. Not a fan. <laughs> no, that doesn't make sense to me. <laughs> what was that name? All CEO right. Bill Ballhouse. What the, what's his name? Ballhouse? <laughs> uh, you're right, Ballhouse. I, I Ballhouse. pronounced it wrong. Ballhouse. B a l l h a u s. So. I originally so, thought Bauhaus, you know, being the music guy, I was like, oh, Bauhaus. <laughs> no, he's a German house of balls. <laughs> ah, Scheiser. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Let's talk about my picks, shall we? Go ahead. Is it time to talk about my picks? Because I'm getting excited. My first pick, I'm going to go with a company that I actually purchased about five years ago when it was Zeng Zenga. Back in February of 2022, Zenga was bought by Take-Two Interactive Software. Now, in addition to owing Zenga, Take-Two also owns Rockstar and 2K, two really big names in the gaming industry. Recently, 2024's NBA 2K Live was released. This is one of their linchpin games, very popular. Take-Two is not a cheap stock, though, trading at about $144 a share. But if you're in a situation where you can buy partial shares, it's definitely worth checking out. Since I first purchased Zenga... Now, again, it's called Take-Two. It is up around 19%. My second pick is a little bit more on a, out on a limb because it's it's not making money at the moment. But I'm going to go with uh, Medtronics. It's a medical company that produces treatments for things as AFib, mitral valve diseases, uh, various types of kidney diseases. Now, I've owned this stock for about three years now, and they, they just announced on September 9th that they will be paying they will be paying a dividend for the first time, 69 cents per share on October 13th. Now, overall, the stock has been down since I bought it in 2021, but you know my gut and my gut's never wrong. It says buy, buy, buy mostly <laughs> because all I see are commercials for AFib on TV. So I'm like, all right, there's a market for it. So that thyroid, 
that and thyroid eye disease. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> um. So Zanga, um, was that a Motley Fool pick before? I don't remember. I it could have been. Uh, I don't remember if I got. I got a few one from a few from my wife. Um, I think. Um, Activision, I know, is all Activision. all your wife. Yeah, Activision was from my wife, so that may have been one of their picks. And that that was pretty smart. Good, good on her. Yeah, your she's your one, wife. She's one for one. Your your <laughs> wife your wife is one sharp cookie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, her one stock she picked is doing well. I think. I'm um, Zank is really interesting to me because back when you bought the stock for it, they were doing those crappy Facebook games that everybody had. Right. That I don't. Right. Th- does Facebook still do that? No, no. But they also were having at the time they had a lot of phone games too. Not just right. that. That was their big thing. I think Candy Crush was one of theirs. I believe. Yeah, yeah, it was. Um, I I don't know if I knew or uh, or paid attention or cared that they were owned by Two K. Um, that um. That's really interesting to me because they're they're a huge developer. They they make a lot of really big games. Like Grand Theft Auto mm-hmm. is a rock star game that that's owned by them, and um, they do a lot of sports games. Like you showed, I think they do. They do Mass Effect. Is that one of theirs? Sounds familiar. Uh, I'm not I don't know, but that. they they make a lot of they make a lot of big titles. Um, mm-hmm. Good for you for getting in early. Um, I don't. I don't know how much they're going to grow. True. I mean, they haven't, it's been steady for the first couple of years and now it's kind of plateaued. Yeah. It's a pretty saturated market. It, it, it seems like the, the big titles keep carrying them through. Um, mm-hmm. it'll be interesting to watch. Absolutely. So my pick this week, which is not really that much of a pick, it's more, um, more of a strategy, I do okay. own shares in Disney, and I, I do have Disney in my uh, uh, virtual market portfolio. Um, Disney plans to invest a prop approximately $60 billion over the next decade in expanding its theme parks, cruise lines, and resorts, almost doubling the capital allocation to a sector that's becoming its main profit driver. This decision comes as the company's traditional cable television business which includes channels like ESPN and ABC, see declining profits, pushing Disney to depend more on its themes, theme parks. While specific project details were sparse, possibilities include Frozen into Disneyland resorts and introducing the Black Panther, setting Wakanda into one of the parks. Um, I could totally see that. I found this to be interesting to me because... Disney parks were the number one profit center. Then Eisner pushed everything into Disney Plus, <laughs> and that became, uh, if not profitable, it was allegedly profitable after the first season because subscribers were, I think, and I'm remembering off of the top of my head from three or four years ago, so uh, don't quote me, but I, I think they were anticipating subs- subscribers to be between 7 and 10 million and they had like 40 million subscribers at the start Mm -hmm. which is way more than what they were anticipating but then recently um it was announced that they're losing money on streaming so now they're 
this article to me means that they're refocusing on parks because they can't they can't survive off of streaming while television is dropping and, and sports like ESPN I I know that they made the ESPN deal with uh, Penn Gaming that we were talking about oh, for, yeah, yeah, for yeah. sports betting mm-hmm. now you add on um, ESPN and and was it Charter or Spectre that that had the dispute where they they finally decided after uh, a few months of standoff of Disney pulling the plug on ESPN for mm. for their their cable channels that they were going to get rid of uh, Disney Junior or one of the one of the TV channels on, right. on their end and keep ESPN um, so they're losing money on their television now even on their sports side so now Eisner's brilliant thing when before was to take money out of parks and put it into streaming now double down on parks again i i think disney has lost their way i think yeah. seller short mm-hmm. i i only see the stock going down more from from this point i i don't understand how how they can be losing on streaming i'm mean, obviously subscribers but they have they have Star Wars under their belt. They have they have Harry Potter too. I forget. No, Harry that's uh, Time Warner. Okay, Time Warner. Uh, but they have a lot of good franchises. They have you said uh, I surprised ABC, ESPN. I mean, they have a Marvel, lot. the the comic yeah. books and the movies. That's right. I mean, how are they losing money? I I don't. Yeah, National Geographic for all the documentary nerds like me out there. Uh, me too. Yeah. Yeah, I, I don't, I don't get this, especially when you have, what, the the big thing that you skipped over, they have all of the classic traditional Disney content. Oh, yeah. They have Mickey right. Mouse. They have all of the stories with Cinderella, Toy Story, all well, Pixar. Pixar's one that was left out. They have mm-hmm. all these properties, and they can't make money on streaming. So, are they not charging enough for streaming? Has it gotten that competitive? Um, is there just no money to be made and oh crap, we, we killed the cord on, on cable way too soon. Like what, what is going on that streaming is losing money? I have no idea. I hadn't, that was a surprise to me. Yeah. So they, they fire this, they fire the last CEO, bring Eisner back out of retirement uh, Let's go back to the way things were. <laughs> yeah, is Eisner going to have to write the ship, and then they're going to have to cryogenically freeze him next to Walt Disney's head and bring him back in five years? Or and they're, uh, they're going to bring back Pirates of the Caribbean. You know, they're going to have right. that again. You know, it's going to be a wonderful thing. It's a small world after all. <laughs> yeah, so that that's my take. Is uh, I would I would probably I. I don't know if I'm going to go as bold to say short Disney, which you probably could. Uh, but definitely, if you have it, th- this is my wake-up call to consider selling. Consider selling? What's that? What did you say? Consider selling or buying? This is my wake-up call to consider selling Disney. I, I do oh, because you Disney, already have so, them, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Copy that. All right. All right. Well, again, thank you for uh, for listening. You can help us out by rating our show or by recommending our show to a friend. Uh, you can join our Patreon so that you can have access to our virtual stock market. And um, 
If you want to contact us, you can write in at stockgamblershow at gmail.com. Ask or us questions. Or check out our website. Tell us how much you love us. Ask us questions. Uh, personal ask, stock picks. Ask <laughs> us about Philadelphia Talk Like a Pirate Day. Yeah. Or uh, you can even uh, visit our website at stockgamblers.net. All right. You have a great, great night. Keep gambling.